We return this morning to Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at the Lord's model prayer as a part of the Messianic Manifesto. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Today our point of emphasis is, Thy will be done. Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, and all God's people say, Father, help us then as we return to this model. It is familiar to us in a number of ways, and yet our hearts may not be best served by the familiarity of it today. Our hearts might best be served by thy Spirit's work in working the words of the model prayer into a deeper level of our understanding and embrace for glory, thine, and for good, ours. Thank you for each one that is here to hear. Help us now to see things beyond the aspect of that which is normally or naturally seen, to hear things which is beyond the realm of that which is naturally and normally heard, and to believe things that indeed are yet unseen to the eyes of this sinful world, but known in certainty among thy people. Bless thy people. In this hour we pray, in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. The phrase, the will of God, is used differently in Scripture with two different slants of meaning. We speak of the will of God or God's will or desire in two deliberate and thoughtful categories. First, the phrase will of God refers to God's own determination and resolve. When God determines something, when God resolves something, it's not left up to anybody else's choice or determination. And there are things that God has absolutely determined and resolved. And that which God determines and resolves is indeed forever. God alone determined and resolved to create all things created. Nothing exists that wasn't created. God determined and resolved to save some among sinful humanity by the substitutionary death of God the Son become man. God alone determined to give Adam a suitable helper. We call her Eve. God alone determined to bless all humanity through the loins of Abraham. God alone determined that David would serve his generation as Jewish king and that to David there would be the promise of a forever kingdom. 
no less than five times, the Apostle Paul tells us that he served, as he served, by the will of God. God's will is manifest in his determinations. It's one of the ways that we should understand the term, the will of God. Secondly, the phrase will of God refers to God's gracious designs for his people. Much of God's will for us is revealed in his written word. It is the will of God that believers, all believers, live holy and honorably during the days of their earthly sojourn. It is the will of God that his people live lives of praise and thanksgiving. It is the will of God that his people engage in good works as appointed for them. Peter says that believers on earth are not to live according to the lust of their own hearts and desires, the desires of sinful men, but are to live to the will of God as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Paul also says that believers are to do the will of God from the heart. There is, however, another facet of God's will under both his determinations and his designs. And that is not manifest or readily revealed and is sometimes referred to as or called the secret will of God. Thus Paul asked the church at Rome to pray for him in order that he might come to them and visit them in the will of God. Paul made no qualms about the fact that he had a desire to go to Rome and to visit those believers. But Paul saw no uh, current human opportunity nor uh, uh, facilitation in his life in order to accomplish that in any time near. And so he asked the church to pray for him that he might actually be able to come to them in the flesh in the will of God. And in that sense, the great apostle did not know for sure whether it was God's will that he get there or not. As Paul declared under inspiration of God that God was in work or working within the believer both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. James tells us to add God willing to our plans. I use the Latin abbreviation DV, Deo Valente, as a recognition that there are elements of things we would desire to do and we plan to do, but we might not be able to do them. This morning, my alarm clock went off, and I got up, and when I got up, I mean, it sounded like a freight train coming over the top of the parsonage, and the thunder was banging, and the lightning was popping, and the rain was coming down, and I thought, well, I'm ready to preach. I don't know whether anybody will show today if this keeps up. I planned that you would be here today. You are here today. Therefore, it's proven to be the will of God that we're here today. But you know as well as I do that weather can change our most ardent plans and in a hurry. 
And so we're told of James to pray and to recognize the fact that, that there is an element of God's secret will that plays out in our knowing it uh, day by day and with every passing moment. We do not know every detail of life to be faced day by day, as God does know and as God does control. God has a plan for every person's life, but much of that plan is only made clear to us as we walk with the Lord and we seek his guidance one step at a time. We've quickly reviewed this idea of the will of God by way of introduction in order to uh, get a hold of the next phrase under study in the Lord's model prayer, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. As part of the Messiah's manifesto, Jesus spoke uh, to matters of right-minded devotion and godly practice. Having introduced the topic of prayer back at verse 5, the Lord told his audience not to pray like hypocrites pray and not to pray like pagans pray, but to pray like this. Matthew 6, 9 to 13, calling upon God as our Father, the first and foremost concern in all righteous prayer is that God's name be hallowed. The top of your prayer list, the top of my prayer list, ought always to be the name of God be hallowed, that God be glorified in our lives individually and collectively as a congregation. This is, of course, closely followed by the petition in recognition of what God has promised to do concerning the establishment of a forever kingdom. We are not to act. We are not to act like there's no plan. People oftentimes like to uh, go about life as if uh, nobody's in charge and nobody's thinking through the things. And, and, and what are we supposed to do here? Well, let me tell you something. You better be careful about your impatience with God. He'll tell you exactly what you should be doing along the way as you walk with him and as you talk with him, and as you pray like this. But you and I should never operate in this life we, like we don't know where it ends. When we know where it ends, we know how it ends. We know God has a plan. We know it is for sure. Our souls should be fixed. As the old southern gospel song says it, I read the back of the book, and we win. So why in the world should I be sucking my shoelaces today when I know we win? And yet how often in the days of earthly sojourn do we just wear down and act like corn is down and beans are down and my soul is down? And it's so stupid when you know that you win. God has promised his kingdom to come, and that shall be forever and forever and forever, and all God's people say amen. amen. Now, closely related to that is this petition, may 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's something here that strikes me as I look at the text and meditate on the text, and that is that in verse 9, you have a clear reference to heaven in relationship to that's the place where God is, God the Father. And in verse 10, you have a clear reference to heaven. And I would suggest that everything between the two heavens, only one heaven, but you know what I mean, between the two mentions of the word heaven, I would suggest the fact that everything between the two words is absolutely one glorious compound sentence and thought. You cannot better see the interconnection of the first three petitions as a unit than if you take the reference to the Father in heaven and then connect that to the will of God as it is in heaven. And if you were to just chart that in the si- on the side of your Bible or on a piece of paper that you could keep close, it would look something like this. Father in heaven, may your name be sanctified, may your kingdom come, may your will be done as it is where you are. Father in heaven, may your name be sanctified, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is where you are. The first three petitions are all uniquely under the umbrella of God's abode, heaven. And that causes us to begin this morning with the big picture in mind to carefully note the sphere of this phrase, may your will be done on earth or on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing that grabs you when you look at this phrase in the original language is the word done. Doing done. Common words in English. Doing done. uh, Common word in the Greek. And the thing that strikes you when you look at the original is that the common word is not to be found. It does not say commonly doing and done. No, Uh, this word uh, that is uh, rightly translated by the English word done uh, is most often translated in the New Testament English as become. It's a verb of being. It's the word used to speak of the birth of a baby. It's a a word that is used to speak of the rising of the sun, dawn. (laughs) It's a word that is used to speak of something happening in the context of a day. It has the idea of of a birthday, of a dawn, of of an event that uh, uh, may be well anticipated or not anticipated. But the word is unusual 
in the sense is that it's not just a common word for doing and done, but it in fact is a word that has to do with this concept of to become, to be birthed. It is used to convey the idea of something that is wrought or something that is made to happen, something that is accomplished or something that is performed. When Herod heard that Jesus was active and doing the miraculous, Herod thought that John the Baptist had risen from the dead And the very same word is translated done in that account. Herod heard that Jesus had performed or accomplished or birthed things that he could not associate with any man on the earth except what he had seen in the powerful preaching ministry of John the Baptizer, although J.B. never, as recorded in the Bible, ever, ever, uh, uh, ever did one single miracle. Nonetheless, Herod associated Jesus with John in the sense of what it was birthed or what was, or what was made to happen or, or, or the event that took place in the context of, of their ministry. The question then is, what do we as the disciples of Jesus Christ desire to be done today, birth today, accomplish today, birth tomorrow, accomplish tomorrow. What do we desire to be done? What do we desire to be birthed? What do we desire to be performed? What do we desire to be accomplished? The textual answer is phenomenally dramatic in application. We are those who follow Christ. As such, Here's what we want. We want God's name to be hallowed. And not just at the First Baptist Elto. We want God's name to be hallowed all over the world. And if it's not going to be hallowed all over the world, then let it be hallowed here until it's hallowed around the world. Because we know it will be hallowed around the world. That's what we want. That's what a sanctified heart wants. We want the redemptive plan of God as revealed in Scripture to come to pass, His kingdom come in fullness. I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of struggling. I'm trying, I'm tired of trying to encourage others, including my own soul, to ring true another day in walking with God in a sinful world. It'll be so much easier when sin is truly G-O-N-E, gone, not just as the penalty, but as to its very presence, as God has promised us. That's what we want. That's what we want. What do we want? Well, we want... God's will to be done right on earth as it is right now in all of heaven. Listen, there is a place where the desire and the character of God is perfectly manifest. That place is his abode, heaven. There is also a place where the desire and character of God is not perfectly manifest, 
that place is here on earth. So, we are led of our Lord to pray that God's will be done, be birthed, God's will arise, as the scripture reveals that it will be. May God's will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Secondly, carefully note that the subject of this phrase uh, needs to be placed in the broader context of all scripture. Heaven is forwarded in this model prayer as the standard for the will of God to be done in all the earth. Someone has said that the only real difference between the two places, heaven and earth, are the inhabitants who occupy the place. Now think about that. The only real difference between heaven and earth, both are created of God, the only real difference between heaven and earth are the occupants who inhabit the place. Heaven, right now, is occupied by elect angels and triumphant saints who have finished the course of their earthly sojourn. They have come to the moment of done, of a new birth, an eternal breath before the throne of God. Uh, that reality of elect angels and triumphant saints is held in great contrast to the inhabitants of the earth. The earth is filled with, number one, unredeemed sinners. And, two, redeemed saints who still sin. The occupants of the earth are unredeemed sinners and redeemed saints who still commit sin. Very much different than the reality of what is known in the environment of elect angels and triumphant saints. It is startling to see how earthly saints are instructed concerning the will of God on earth. John tells us that the world as we know it is quickly passing away, but that they who do the will of God on earth will indeed abide forever. But there is probably no single scripture in the New Testament epistles that I think is more informative on this subject then is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. I'd like you to turn there for a moment with me. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 to 16. A very uh, impactful uh, argument presented by the Apostle Paul concerning uh, how the will of God works on earth even now in our day. Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and 
trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That is a phenomenal statement upon which to meditate. For it is God which worketh in you. The Greek word for worketh is energeo. It is God which energizes you in the inner man both to will, God's will, and to do of his good pleasure. God is at work in and through us to accomplish what he wants. This past week I read some devotional material that at the end of it, ask these questions in tandem. Do you seek to make use of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or do you allow him room to make use of you? I'll give it to you again because there's a big difference and it's hard to discern upon first reading the difference. Do you make use of the Holy Spirit? Or do you allow him room to make use of you? The verse says that God is at work. God is energizing the inner man uh, for his will. God is energizing uh, 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 the inner man uh, to do his will both to will and to do God's own pleasure. That's what the verse says. So this idea that I have a plan, that I have a thought, that I I, I know what I want, and I say to God, oh, Lord, let the Holy Spirit empower me. Let the Holy Spirit make it happen in me uh, is really a misdirected thought. I need to see myself as as a vessel uh, through which the Spirit of God ministers to and through Uh, for God's own will and pleasure. That is a powerful insight to the will of God. Look at verse 14. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked. From that word crooked, we get the back disease called scoliosis. Uh, A crooked spine. Uh, Scoliotos. Uh, crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth, grasping as it were, without relenting, the word of life. That Paul says, I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run on empty, neither labored in emptiness. Paul said, uh, if we rightly hang on to the will of God that is being brought to us and energized within us, and we seek to do that will uh, with God's help and dependence upon his blessed spirit, that uh, uh, we too will not reign and run on empty, uh, and we will not labor in vain. 
The believers, of course, in Philippi were told to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, and that has caused a lot of people, uh, cherry-picking that phrase out of the beginning of the reading, uh, uh, to say something that we know we shouldn't be saying. Uh, They do not work it out for the sake of their rescue from their sin, but because they have been rescued. The verses are not focused upon one's salvation, but are focused upon one's sanctification. The only way the Philippians could work it out was on the basis of their dependency upon God and what he had worked in them. He worked in them so that they could work it out. He worked in them so that they could work it out on earth. So when you are praying, thy will be done on earth, you are likewise saying to God, Lord, please let me be a part of your answer to this prayer. Please let me be a part of the answer to this prayer. Thy will be done on earth. The Bible says God is working within us to do and to will his good pleasure. And so what we're basically saying when we say, thy will be done, we're saying, God, uh, I am all in with you. I want you to be glorified. I want you to have full use of me. I want your agenda for the day on earth, not necessarily my own. He worked it in them so that they could work it out on earth. They were made to be lights of God in the world and were hold, to hold forth that word of life until the day of Christ or his kingdom come. Praying thy will be done on earth underscores the present opportunity of the believer on earth as well as anticipates the coming day of promise. There is coming a day when you know and I know that God's full pleasure will be played out on this earth as promised. And as we admonished you last week, as believers, we certainly want to think about heaven. We want to sing about heaven. We want to pray about heaven, but we certainly don't want to make heaven our escape hatch from this earth. Because the plan of God is not that everybody on earth should take a Holy Ghost rocket ship to heaven. But it's the will of God to bring the reality of heaven right smack down to this earth. And you and I have been first planted onto that fulfilled purpose in days ahead. And so you cannot say, oh Lord, I'd like your will to be done on earth as it's done in heaven and not possess a heart that indeed is all in. 
That's why I say praying this way underscores the present opportunity of the believer on earth as well as it anticipates the coming day of promise. Listen to some well-crafted words from a trusted commentator named David Crump. To pray thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, is to rebel against the worldly idea that sin is normal and inevitable and should therefore be acquiesced to, or at least tolerated. It is to rebel against the world's system of ungodliness, the dishonoring and the rejecting of Christ, and also the disobedience of believers. Impotence in prayer leads us, however, unwillingly to strike a truce with wrong, to accept what is, is to abandon a Christian view of God and his plan for all redemptive history. End quote. The point remains that God's perfection and character is not being represented on the earth at this time except in the lives of those who pray and practice God's truth. Do you and I live in the will of God perfectly? No, we do not. But think of this. We often do. Think of this. We often do. Have I, from the time that God saved me until this very moment, have I always walked before the Lord in holiness? Have I always walked before the Lord in perfection? I surely have not. But I often have. And I haven't because of my own choices, necessarily, or my own heart uh, stability, or my own power. But I have because God's helped me. Because I've looked to the Lord. I've looked to his word. And sought to follow it. And God's helped me. And sometimes I get to thinking, well, I did pretty good. And then I realize, God helped me. <laughs> and then I think, well, I really did good there, but God helped me. And one of the things that is a part and parcel of active ministry, whether it be a worship hour like this. I mean, it was just a few moments ago that Russell turns to a hymn and <laughs> lo and behold, the hymn is like we picked it for the sermon. No, we actually didn't, but God did. Guess what? God helped us. Again this Sunday, God helped us. Guess what? Again this Sunday, God helped us. Guess how you can describe our church? God's helping us. And for those that have eyes to see it, you can see it. God is helping us. We're not perfect. But God is helping us. Why would we not rejoice in the help of God known among this little congregation? God's character is surely not being represented faithfully in this old sinful world, except it is represented in the lives of those who pray and practice the truth as Messiah spoke of it. I can't commit godless America to live so as to honor and glorify God 
I can't make the United States bow the knee, but I can pray that she would, and I can certainly be one who is an American who bows the knee here and now for God's glory and this nation's good. I can live with the prophetic certainty that in the coming day, every knee will bow. I cannot expect godless people to honor God until God himself makes them. But God has already changed my heart. He's already changed the heart of a number of people sitting here this morning, and we are postured, we are posed of God to glorify his holy name and to live before him on earth in truth. What a blessing. What a glorious privilege to be a child of God. Amen? Thirdly, this morning, I want you to carefully note the Savior's own prayer, and I'll only reference it for the sake of time, but the Savior's own prayer on earth concerning the will of God. Again, my buddy David Crump says that there is a line of tension in prayer that we might call the ask and submission line. He writes, Quote, should I pray for divine direction in making wise, God-honoring choices? By all means. But my search for God's answers will prove successful only when I approach my Father as a foot soldier in heaven's army, freely enlisted to do the king's bidding. End quote. That idea of ask and submit, ask and submit, ask and submit. Pray, but then bow. Pray and then bow. That concept is most wonderfully seen in the prayer of the Lord Jesus in Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. There was no lack of resolve, nor less understanding on our Lord's part of the eternal will of the Father for him to die on the cross. But he did not find it easy to follow through, even though he was perfectly sinless. We see that prayer in proper perspective when we focus upon the result of it, in which we are told of Dr. Luke that Jesus was strengthened to do that which he was absolutely committed to do. There's no lack of resolve in the heart of the Lord Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And yet he prayed along the ask and submission line, the uh, prayer and bow line, in order that the result be secured, which, of course, was the will of God. 
And this whole element of the will of God becomes much uh, clearer when you think about it in so many different ways. Uh, Was it the Father's will that Jesus be spit upon? The Father certainly allowed it, and more than allowing it, he used the fact of it to help identify who Messiah actually is on earth. God more than allowed it. He planned that which was the evil action of men in order to accomplish a good thing. You see, God is so great, he can actually make all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. It was sinful men with their feelings of personal power that pursed their lips and spit. Hence, you see, along that ask submission line, in the Lord's prayer in Gethsemane, both divine control and human responsibility. You and I are called upon to live on this earth ever recognizing God's divine control and our human responsibility by means of prayer. I cannot improve upon the thought of many commentators that praying God's will to be done is first and foremost a prayer that God's will become my own will. And how many times have I started out out praying about this, and then I prayed about this, kind of like that, but a little differently, and then a little, and then a little differently, and then a little differently, and then a little differently, and pretty much I'm praying over here. And when I get over here, oh wow, it just boom, 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 it all happens, and it's wonderful. But boy, did I have a learning curve to get over there. Does prayer change things? Oh, of course. But as you know, the old adage, prayer, primarily, changes changes you. We become different people by interaction with God in that regard. And of course then, we can also again return to the prevailing thought that it's only a matter of a little more time until the very things we're praying about, the hallowing of God's name, the coming of his kingdom, and his will done on earth as it is in heaven, is in fact a completed deal. It's only a little bit of time. And so on that basis, we may well be encouraging one another to hang in there, baby. It's only a little more time. In the meantime, as I often say, the times are mean. We pray, knowing that, one, God's will is never detached from his glory and eternal plan. Two, that God's will is about knowing divine control, and human responsibility. And three, knowing the Savior himself is our perfect model for all praying, we indeed pray on, pray on. Thy will be done in earth as it is in 
Father, it is an amazing thing to be able to remind the mind and to stir the heart along the particular realities of thy stated word. We all have ideas of how you are to be glorified and praised and honored. And sometimes our ideas are spot on. And sometimes we're just thinking about ourselves. But this morning, we would praise you and praise our Savior, Jesus Christ. We would ask and we would submit. We would know and we would follow through. And it is our prayer that you would reveal to each one of us this morning our true need and lead us even now to seek in prayer specific fulfillment to that one real need. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. <laughs> 